This is something spookish. I'm so excited. You've been amping this story up. I sure have. I think and I did a rare case of having to tell you what the subject was ahead of time. You never tell and me what it is ahead of time. I know, but I couldn't I couldn't help it. And I think I saw you the same evening that I finished researching, so I I had to. I'm not good at keeping secrets. No, you're not good, which I love. Real quickly, if I could build a bit of hype, if I may. Please. Just a bit of hype. We got to talk about where we're going. Just a little bit. This week, we will be going to the Lumbar Baron Inn. <gasps> oh, you dared even say the place. Oh, very good. I'm on, okay, good. I'm glad. I can't keep the secret, Josie. Can't keep the secret. <laughs> we just talked about, yes, we're going to the Lumbar Baron Inn. And we did an episode on this place. You should check it out if you haven't listened to it already. But we have a we have a room there. I don't even know the what to room. expect, but I'm super excited. But we will be staying in the room and honor um, memories that have been there. Memorial. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to do tea as we promised we would do in the episode. And if the staff will indulge me, I, I would like to set out a couple of places for the spirits of the girls. And, you know, I would appreciate it. I'd be yeah. like, why doesn't anyone ever invite me to tea? I like tea. Yeah, should be fun. We might so. do a, and we'll we'll report back on what happens. And that's, I think that's enough. There will be more to come. We will be releasing. We're gonna record an episode that night at the Lumber Baron Inn, and we're gonna release that episode as our big special Halloween episode. So you can hear about our time there. Get spooky, Josie. Get excited. Yeah. Get spooky. I yeah. will as soon as you tell me the story because I need I need to know. Yeah. I specifically went out and got myself a couple more protective crystals, which I wasn't really into before, but now I'm getting more and more into just because I was so spooked by this research. Oh, wow. Thanks for the warning. So, you're welcome. Break them out. Here we go. There we go. There we go. Stormy Quartz. Thank you. All right. Very good. Well, Josie, what I have for you today, I call werewolves and wendigos okay well originally i was gonna do a whole episode on i was and i was gonna call it rougarous rougarous because rougarou is a werewolf but that's what Ooh. they are called more closer to new orleans in louisiana and that comes from the french origin of lougarou which means like wolf transformation something like that so I'll, I'll i'll get into it but as i continue to do my research i definitely found that there are similarities between werewolves and then i kind of went down a rabbit hood uh, rabbit hole of wendigos and lichens is okay. got some overlap with werewolves and skinwalkers which i will only yeah. touch on very briefly, very briefly, because it's so taboo. Those things are spooky. Yeah. And at first, I thought I was going to see how, you know, when I first started my research, I was curious to see if all of these creatures were actually the same thing. 
and they're not. And I thought I was going to find that, in fact, they are the same creature. And, in fact, they are all different creatures. So I'm going to tell you about them. And then I'm going to give you some accounts of people who were unfortunate enough to come face to face with these things. And I will, I'm going to start you with werewolves because believe it or not, werewolves are whimsical and fun compared to Wendigos. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Step up the ladder. Here we go. That's right. To just dip your toes in the Rougarou or the werewolf. What are they? Well, Josie, Hmm. it's a mythical creature, obviously, and it is concerned with the transformation of a human into a wolf. Duh. Welcome. You already know that. Great. Yeah. Duh. Yeah. Duh. But did you know that it's also called a Rougarou? Did you know that? No, I actually, I had no idea, and I kind of want to say it. Uh, Rougarou? Rougarou. That is interesting. Or you can say Lougarou. Which I'm going to name fun. my son. Rougarou. Rougarou? Why Rougarou. can't you just name my your dog. next cat that or your dog? Yeah, no, <laughs> I don't no, know if I'll you want to name your that. son that. Rougou. That'd be cute. No. Come here, Rougarou. Yeah, but it's not cute. Because it's werewolf, you up. which is not That's cute. Right. No, not cute. Yeah, typical Rougarou is the being with the body of a man and the head of a wolf. And when you're a Rougarou... You're basically stalking around in the dark of the night looking for prey. And you're really scary looking. And you can be on two feet, Josie. You can be on four feet, Josie. Wow. You can pick. It's yeah, whatever I could, choose. Yeah. It's whatever you choose, whatever game you'd like to adventure. play. Yeah, whatever kind of horrible murder you're looking to uh, enact, you can do it on two legs or four. Yes. Okay. And so it's supposed to be a violent creature. It's supposed to be predatory. And with all the legends, you know, werewolves, this transformation is supposed to be involuntary and takes place on a full moon. Werewolves themselves are of English origin, but the Rougarou has a French origin. And that's where uh, Lougarou, and when I say Lougarou, I mean like the French word Lou. L-O-U-P, Guru. And Rougarou then is more specific to Louisiana. So we've already got, and, and this is all supposed to be the same creature, but this same creature ha- is having some different origins from different places. Okay. Yeah. As things and do. Yeah. Unfortunately, making it sound like this same really creepy creature is located in different parts around the world, but there you have it. It makes it more believable. I mean, it does. It certainly adds credibility. I don't know if I want there to be credibility to this, but I'll take it if there is and just do my best to stay away from it. I did find a couple of interesting tidbits about different legends around werewolves. Specifically for the Rougarou, a common legend says that anyone cursed as a Rougarou is under that spell for 101 days, and that after that, the curse is transferred from person to person when the cursed Rougarou draws another human's blood. During the day, oh. that Rougarou turns back into a person, and 
they're not well. They're sickly. They're they're unwell during during the day. But they're not going to say anything to anyone. Because what are you going to do? Tell someone you're a rougarou? They're going to kill you if they believe you. <laughs> well, it's frowned upon yeah. to be a rougarou. So that's what one legend says. That so wait, I have to, I have to... So that I'm like that for 101 Please. days and then... And then I have to bite someone and then and then they become a rougarou and then I finally transition back and forth day and night. I do believe that's what the first one is saying. Okay, interesting. I mean, you're not like free from the curse, but it's better, but not really. You have to pass it on. You have to pass it on? Okay, in order to like go back and forth. See... One version of the legend seems to be saying that you are stuck as a Ruguru for 101 days. If you eat 10 people, you're still a Ruguru for 101 days. But it's after that 101st day passes, then if you just draw blood from a human, now you've passed the curse. Pass. Oh, okay. It's yours now. Okay. Take okay. it. Screw mm-hmm. you. I don't want to be a Ruguru anymore. Then you're done. Then you're done. Yes. You're scarred from having been a Rougarou and having, you know, potentially murdered some things and whatnot. Dude. But do you have you've stories passed of it on. this temporary Rougarou-ness? What? It's, um, you know, it's, I, 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 have, I have the stories of the sightings. It's no good. Oh, wow. The other oh, wow. rendition of this 101-day legend is that you transfer the curse to, to another human being and you can do it at any point. You don't have okay. to wait 101 days. But um, the I think the biggest difference is that if you don't transfer it to another person, then you have to wait 101 days for the curse to go away. But if you transfer it to another person by drawing their blood, then you can transfer it sooner rather than having to wait. Okay. But Does theoretically... Like tell you these rules like as soon as you become a Rougarou? Do you have like some Rougarou guru that's like, listen... Here's what you're about to go through. Or do you just have to like fucking figure this out? Or it just, that's, hmm. Did you really say that without, without like highlighting it and framing it and putting it on a sticker? A Rougarou guru? Amazing. (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) You know, you probably don't know. Sure. Yeah. Like, uh, how am I supposed to know what to do? You probably also don't give a shit. You probably just want to kill something and eat it. You probably don't give a shit. Instincts. Yeah. Duh. But if you don't get the Rougarou curse from being attacked by said Rougarou, then another way to get it is by getting this curse from a local witch, sometimes a voodoo priestess, perhaps. Oh, fuck no. Yes. Don't be pissing people off. That's all I'm saying. You don't know what they could like, be doing to you. Yeah, no. No voodoo. Although I do mm-hmm. think it's kind of cool. And like, go lady magic, but mm-mm. Voodoo can be super cool. It's not all black magic, but yeah. Apparently this is one of one of those dark consequences for crossing a voodoo priestess. Wow. Um, and then also, it's, a I think, worth noting that a Rougarou in other stories is actually, instead of the head of a wolf, it's the head of a rabbit. The were-rabbit. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so that's a Rougarou. Okay. Yeah. So that's also a Rougarou. 
then there's also something called uh, lycanthropy, lycanthropy, either one, I think, I'm not sure, but that's different. And sometimes the two get confused, but if you're a lycan, you're similar to a werewolf, but instead of turning into like a human with a wolf head, you turn into a wolf. You just turn into a full wolf. I would prefer that. Oh yeah, no, it sounds way better. Because also, instead of it being involuntary, you do it at your will. Yeah. Oh, so Twilight. Just be a wolf. That explains so much. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. You're right. It is Twilight. Precisely. Precisely. Thank you. Yes. Precisely Twilight. Yeah. Lycan. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, they weren't werewolves. They were lichens. And lichens come from a Greek origin. So we've had English, we've had French, we've had uh, American, and now we've had Greek. And lichens are hard to kill, like a werewolf. But to kill a lichen, you have to injure its spine, or you have to decapitate it. Oh. Werewolves are tough. Werewolves are also tough. Uh, and it can only be killed by shooting or stabbing the werewolf in the head or the heart with silver. You know, so that silver bullet thing. It's supposed to be hmm. it's supposed Let's to be a thing. Wolves are like if you saw a wolf, you're. I I guess most, some people would want to kill a wolf, but I would have a hard time killing a wolf because I'm like, wow, you're so majestic and wolfy. You're a beautiful, majestic creature, yeah. But if it was a werewolf, and how do you know it's like, a lichen? Ew, ew, werewolf. Yeah, <laughs> gross. And I'm like you're gross <laughs> and murderous. And you know what? I don't know that. That's I don't know. Tricky. I feel like you'd have to be a hunter of such things to be prepared, because otherwise you're probably you're to probably kill a wolf. Scraped. Yeah, yeah, or a werewolf. Yeah, no, you're 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 really most likely just really screwed. So all of my training for werewolves has come from Hermione Granger. And what did Hermione say? I don't. Well, remember. Hermione was really quick with it, and she was hiding behind trees. And then what she did was she howled like a wolf. To distract the wolf oh, from killing yeah. her because she was in another place existing two times oh. at once. So I just need to get myself right. to save myself by being in two places at once. This is That's terrible advice, Josie. No, no, no. <laughs> this is terrible advice because Hermione was like, shit, I've attracted now the werewolf to my current person. Did it, this did is it terrible succeed. advice. It did succeed. No, 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 no. They got lucky. Because it still came looking for them. And had it found them, they would have been murdered. So, you know. Yeah, it was, it was well, after we'll, that. We'll have to work on it. Can I give you a, an alternative protective measure? Yes, please. Obviously, I yes. need it. You do need it. Because, yes, you're, I, don't, I don't like your instincts on this one. Hermione Granger was wrong, unfortunately. But in a pinch, that will do. What I recommend alternatively, Josie, is that to protect yourself... What you're going to do is you're going to lay 13 small objects by your doors. Okay. Apparently, when a person changes into a Rougarou, they forget how to count past 12. And um, what this is said probably because once you're a Rougarou, you only worry about midnight. And oh, that's wow. all you care about. So you see, you fool it. You fool it. You can't count. If you're a Rougarou, you cannot count past 12 because those are the rules. So <laughs> if I place 
13 objects. Small objects. That's as specific as we get. Doesn't matter. Then Just whatever I want. You, yeah, whatever you want, as long as it's small. Line them up outside your door. The Ruguru is coming for you. It sees the objects and it tries to count them. Why? Because if you can only count to 12, why are yeah. you trying to count at all? No, no. See? It tries to count them. It gets to 12. And then it gets to 13. And then it gets confused. Okay. And now it's perplexed. And, and then <laughs> it has to start over. And it's going to keep recounting them. And it's going to and it's gonna repeat the cycle all night long, Josie, until okay. the sun comes up and it has to flee. And those are the rules. Wow. Well, this yeah. is a much easier escape um and a protection god bless you thank you i can do that i can be doing that yes yes this is doable this is within our reach i'm confused on i get that it 12 is the most important thing for but how what 13 it's can it just like it just like breaks down once you once it hits 13 and then it I love it. Listen, I do. I'm not going to question it. Don't question it. Accept it. And just, if you're an an ancient and powerful Ruguru, you know, you're really just borrowing your human host. And all you have known is midnight, you know? That's all you give a shit about because that's when you transform. You don't need to know 13, 14. You don't need it. So no, there you have it. that's not logic, I wish I knew that when I was like in the first and second grade and they were trying to tell me to count past that like listen i'm a rougarou 12 is as high as i go <laughs> well unfortunately if you're not a rougarou you will occasionally need the numbers past 12 so you know Dang there it. you have it yeah all right yeah but now you know how to protect yourself and now when i was trying to do a bit more research on werewolves and rougarous and even skinwalkers, all, all of the previous, like, all the most ancient stories started off as uh, not as evil. Like, with the werewolves and Celtic and Nordic mythology, apparently, the legend started off as being centered around really brave warriors who, like, would don the pelts of wolves and were celebrated for their bravery and their cunning and all of that. Um, and that eventually they adopted the power of shape-shifting. So it was kind of mm -hmm. only as time went on, as the stories became darker and more violent and, you know, scarier. And even Skinwalkers, those stories started off as tales about uh, shape-shifting humans who were protectors of their tribes. And you can't talk about it in too much detail because it is disrespectful and taboo. And so I'm not going to touch on it much more than that. But um, mm -hmm. the biggest difference between a werewolf and um, and a skinwalker is that, you know, clearly the werewolf, you get to be a wolf, human-wolf hybrid. If you're lichen, you get to be a wolf. If you're a skinwalker, apparently you can be um, anything, but a wolf and a coyote is most commonly what you see. Okay those creatures described as it's interesting um, thank you for explaining a, a little bit now you know the more you mm -hmm. know Josie um all right so before I tell you about Wendigos 
I think I'm actually going to go ahead and just tell you about uh, the story of a sighting of okay. a werewolf. Yeah, werewolf and I'm calling sightings. this one. Ugh. I'm calling this one a werewolf because it wasn't in Louisiana, so I don't know if it's appropriate to call it a rougarou. So, okay, um, I'm going to talk to you about a little place called Elkhorn, Wisconsin. Wisconsin, oh. hello. Hi. Uh, hey, it's just a quiet community, Elkhorn. And in this quiet community, there have been over a hundred sightings of a werewolf. Wow. But it has never been captured. Hmm. Never, not once. And they have a legend in their community, and they call it the Beast of Bray Road. The Beast of Bray Road. Because okay. all, all these sightings center around this one wooded, heavily wooded road. So maybe just so, one beast. Potentially one beast. Potentially more than one beast who keeps transferring their curse. Who knows? Okay. Who knows? Because it's definitely been going on for over 101 days. It's been, yes. been a, a good deal of time. Um, and it was in the late 1980s, actually, that the stories, the number of stories and the number of si uh, sightings skyrocketed. And the sightings were of an upright wolf-like creature. And people were so scared that... You know, in the, it's the 1980s, and normally people don't lock their doors and they feel safe. People heard of these sightings so much that they did indeed start locking their doors and buying up guns, and people were scared. They were legitimately terrified. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. So the community believed. Late one night in the fall of 1989, a local bar manager was driving home. And she was driving home on Bray Road. There are obviously no lights. Like I said, this is a heavily wooded road. Um, I don't... I think it was paved, but there's no street lights. There's nothing. Lori. Yeah, her name's Lori. So that's our bar manager. All she has are her headlights of her car. So she's driving, driving home, and she sees something hunched over in the middle of the road. So she comes to a stop. Because if she doesn't, she's going to, like, hit. You don't want to just mm -hmm. be hitting things. As she gets closer and comes to a stop, she sees something that is covered in fur, but it's kneeling like a person would kneel. And it's in the middle of the road. She, mm. she puts on her headlights on bright so that she uh -huh. could see it better. And that's when she realized that this was not a normal thing. This is supposed to be a true account and I, i'll put all my sources in the show notes and this person it's one of these eyewitness eyewitness accounts they told their story they were terrified she's saying that after she put on her brights she saw that this thing was holding so it was eating roadkill and it okay. was holding it like it had elbows and then it was oh. kneeling on the road like it had knees and that she had never seen anything like it before. Yeah, and obviously alarming. her brights are on. Isn't it fucked up? Yeah, the way Knees you and elbows? Uh, yeah, not on a wolf. Mm -mm. No, this does not belong. Does not belong on a wolf. Um, well, and so she's, she's blasted it with her brights. So obviously it's going to look 
at her. And when it does, she said that, and this is what's confusing. She said that its eyes were glowing yellow, like I've actually so glowing. That. I've heard that from werewolves. What does that that does that mean? Because obviously you have the reflect the reflections it's, it's in the, the reflection. eyes. Do you remember when we were but, watching Conjuring Kesha and she <laughs> don't yeah I me. do, and she was hunting down Bigfoot and the guy was like, if they're yellow then you know it's like a Bigfoot or something like that because of the light reflection with the way the, the, oh God. I shouldn't even bring I, it up if I can't explain it, but I do I know that- what you're talking about though. Like, cause that was a similar account where they were saying the, the eyes actually glow. Yes. I don't know. Maybe that is some kind of, if this is a real creature and these things do exist and their eyes do glow- Maybe that's some kind of really advanced biological night vision. I don't know. Who knows? I don't know. But it's. But it's, I don't. I've, I've heard that before, so it doesn't seem crazy to me. So now she has made eye contact with this creature, and she said it was the scariest thing that she's ever seen in her entire life. And then, of course, what happens? Would you just guess it? Her car stalls out and dies. No. Why? Why does Shocking. that always happen? It has to. Your car has to stall out and die. And, you know, so now she's in the pitch dark with this thing. Yay. What fun. Oh, God. Yeah. So she's having a panic attack, which is the correct response. And luckily, though, after a few seconds, her car goes back on. This thing is still there. And she fucking speeds off. Um, and instead of going to her home, she goes to her mom's because she's like, what the actual fuck did I just see? Is it behind me? Yeah. Is it following me? I don't know what to do. So she goes straight to her mom's and wakes her up and tells her what happened. And her mom said that she believed Lori. She's never I'm seen sure. her that scared. There's no reason for her to lie. And that she was clearly terrified. Mm, um, poor thing. That's so scarring. If you were to see that, you'd be so traumatized. Yeah, no. My reality would have turned inside out. I don't know what I... Yeah, I don't know. So the next day, Lori did feel compelled to go back to that same spot, but in the daylight, which I support. She went back. She didn't see anything. She didn't see any evidence of roadkill. She didn't see any paw prints. She was creeped out, but... She didn't see anything else. She did decide to not tell anybody else. Her and her mom were like, we probably shouldn't mention this because people are going to think we're crazy. And that's so such they a didn't sad, say anything. It's so sad that that's the norm of like, mm, I get it. Oh, yeah. I would probably feel the same way. And especially in 1989. Yeah. But you know, there's always those people who like lie for attention. And they ruin it. So you gotta be you gotta be on it. You gotta be thoughtful about what you believe. Just don't be lying for attention. You know? Mm-hmm. Do something else. Cause then you ruin our ability to trust people when they do come forward with real stories. So Lori, I think she made the right decision to not say anything. And yeah, it's the late eighties, I would I agree. I agree. I agree. Unless you see it again, maybe keep it quiet. Just, you know, because who knows? Who knows? 
Now, there is someone um, from the Elkhorn community. Her name's Linda, and she actually wrote a book. She's the author of a Mm. book about Bray Road, and she mentioned a story about one winter in the late 1980s. And so this was clearly, you know, after the fact where people did end up coming out with their stories, and Lori was not the only one to have experienced this creature, which I'll tell you about. One of the more frightening stories, because there were it involved more than one person, it was a group of kids who had been sledding. It was the winter. They were on Bray Road. Mm. They were walking through the woods that were right, right by Bray Road, and they saw what they thought was a dog drinking out of a pond, and they went over to go pet it because, you know, you're just, you know, Happy. there's a dog. That's great. They quickly realized that it wasn't a dog. And then as soon as they realize that it is not, in fact, a dog, they take off running. And this thing chases them. Ah, no. Ah. Yeah, you are officially fucked. A werewolf is chasing you, and now you're in trouble. But for some reason, the creature broke off right away, stopped chasing them. Which is really interesting because, I mean, what's easier to eat as a snack than a kid, you know? I don't know. Is that, it's kind of curious. <laughs> That's the easiest. Kind of... That's the easiest snack. But it was like, you know what? <laughs> Not feeling it today. Maybe it remembered its human origins. I'm not sure. Maybe it didn't. Maybe there's rules around eating kids. I don't know. That would be a good rule to have, so I would appreciate it. But yeah, very interesting. Linda, the author of the book about Bray Road, she got this story from her son, who was really good friends with one of the kids who had this encounter. And okay. he's he says, I, I swear, this kid still talks about it. He is still terrified. He is not lying. So I don't take that as you will. Take no. it as you will. Um, Okay, so you remember Lori, who was our bar manager who had that sighting of the creature. So her mother, Pat, finally encouraged Lori to go public. Um, When she did, I think she ended up reporting it to the authorities, and they connected her with their local animal control. And it turns out they had a whole file about animal deaths that they thought were connected to some kind of creature, just like what she had described, and that there had been a huge spike in animal deaths um, in that area. Huh? They all went into this werewolf file. Yeah. And then there there were more rumors and more rumors that began circulating, and people kept witnessing this thing, and they were, they didn't know what to call it other than a werewolf. One person claimed to have witnessed this thing kill her dog in front of her. Mm-hmm. And two women together say that they saw a six-foot-tall wolf-like creature with their cat in its mouth. Oh. Oh. Oh, no, yeah. no. This thing is out there, and it's killing people's pets and their animals, but it, it hasn't harmed or killed any people. Which, again, if just if it's real, if I can just board my ship for a moment and say, okay, this is real. These people really saw it. There's this crazy number of sightings, and they're all describing the same thing. Now, unless everyone is in cahoots, which I don't know. 
I, I'm not here to judge your motives, but if they're not in cahoots and people are telling the truth, why? and this thing is real, why isn't it killing people? Because I don't think that would be that hard to, you know, why are you going after people's pets and not after the people? You know, that's, to me, I'm like, what? Like, is there a rule? Is there some unspoken rule? Is it because you yeah. know that you yourself are a human? But I guess, like, bears, bears could go after people. Like, any predator could go after people way more. Oh, yeah. A but bear would don't. destroy you. Yeah, what do you no, mean? but at the same they time, don't. some bears don't. Like, okay, bears, whatever. Because, like, if in, no, 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 no. But they teach this. Don't whatever me, Missy. Whatever, so, Josie. Listen. Dismissive. I'm here. being dismissive. Okay, they all right. They say that cougars and bears, they don't want to eat humans. They don't. Yeah, but if they're they hungry. Don't, they, no, but they would rather have something else. If anything, they, they attack us because it's we are in their territory. It's not like for food. Okay, but if you come across such a creature, they're going to kill you. You're Sometimes, lucky to get yeah, out of there alive. But there's, so, but there's so many other stories of them not being killed. Maybe. Maybe, but over a hundred <laughs> sightings of this thing. I'm not sold. I'm not sold. I, I do think it's interesting of that this thing. just like along with Bigfoot, it's like, why would you, I don't know, maybe, maybe the other thing is like, they don't want to be seen or found and maybe they're, maybe because they are nocturnal, who's just hiking around in the woods at night? But at the, at the same time, why would they not get those boys? I hear yeah. you. Yeah. You know? It's just, it, it just, I just, I can't believe that no one was ever attacked. Because it went ham on people's pets and roadkill and stuff. Hmm. So, I don't know. I don't know. It's just, I am um, not sure. Just very strange. Very, very strange if this thing is real and this is what happened. I just, like, it doesn't add up unless there's some kind of weird rule in place. Right. Because the rules of this planet, if you're a bear, I am still willing to say that bear's going to eat your face and it's going to be unpleasant. You don't mess yeah. with it and you don't come across its path. And maybe if you're lucky, you walk away unscathed. But I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. So there's so there's that. Um, uh, one more quick story about a sighting. Um, and it wasn't just in Elkhorn that people were seeing this in Wisconsin. Um, there were other surrounding towns that were getting sightings of this creature also in a nearby town that was surrounded by hills and dense forest and was also getting these sightings. We're going to jump from the late 1980s to 2006, okay. much more recent. A man named Steve, who was working in sanitation for the town, he was responsible for clearing dead deer and other roadkill at night. He was the guy that cleaned that up. Thank you, Steve. He was driving late at night when he came across a deer carcass, and it was about, he estimated, like an 80-pound doe. And so he uh, was able to pick it up and place it in the bed of his truck. And in the bed of his pickup truck, he had what, I think it was like an ATV, like a metal ATV rack. And I don't really know what that is, but it was this big metal contraption in the bed of his pickup truck. And he needed that to, to do his job. And I'm not sure why, but it was an important 
part of the operation. So he loads up the animal carcass. He gets back into his truck, into uh, the driver's seat, and he starts filling out the paperwork that he needs to do every time he picks something up. He feels his car. He feels a, a movement. He feels his truck move. Thinks it's probably just the wind, so he keeps filling out his paperwork. And then he feels his truck move again. And it's it has legitimately rocked at this point. Like something has gotten into the bed of his truck. So he mm. gets out his flashlight and he t- turns around to look at what has potentially come up upon his truck. And that's when he sees a seven-foot-tall creature that looked like it had the body of a bear and the head of a wolf. And he was like, it was not a bear. Not a bear. Um, And then he said the creature made a move towards the front of the truck. And so Steve fucking slammed on the gas. And as he sped away, he heard um, a metal clank like something had fallen off the bed of the truck. And then when oh, no, he was far enough it? away, he needs it. Josie, ah. you saw right through me. He needs it. That ATV metal rack thing has fallen off the bed of his truck along with the goddamn werewolf. No. Sorry. That gosh darn by character. werewolf. Gosh darn. Dang. He's not Southern. I don't know why I went there. They're in Wisconsin. They're in no. Wisconsin, Josie. But I felt like it was appropriate. So That dang werewolf. I guess so, but you know what? I'd be cursing a lot if I saw that thing. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> so it, it he was successful by speeding away. He got it off his truck, but then it also ended up like pulling that ATV ramp off his truck as well. So he only realized this after he had gotten far enough away and was able to get out and look at his truck bed. And obviously, the deer carcass was gone as well. <sighs> and he needed that thing to do his job so he had to go back and i'd be like i can you call it sick for the rest of that night like be like a bear a bear thing yeah i don't know almost attacked me that's brave don't go back but he did go back because steve is brave and he said when he did there was no deer carcass there was no atv ramp and there was no creature oh damn it took his thing it took his thing. Where did it go? Why do you need that? Why did you take it? Yeah, take the deer, not the thing. It took both. Rude. Yeah. Yeah. Strange. Like it fell into a portal or something. I don't know. You would think that you would see that dragged away. Yeah. Or something. But no. I don't know. He did end up reporting the incident to police, and, and they ended up searching the area the next day. They didn't find anything. And Steve ended his story by talking about how embarrassing it was to even talk about this story because he's like, well, because I guess, too, the news picked it up, like his local news picked it up and then it got picked up on a national level. And he said he was like humiliated because a ton of people didn't believe him. And he was like, I did not believe in the paranormal and I didn't ask for this. And I'm just telling you what happened to me. And. That's such a hard spot to be in. Poor guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So that's really tough. Those are some sightings kind of all in the same area over the span of like, I don't know, like 30, 40 years. 
real super quick, Josie, just a quick, do you have just a moment to hear about the dog man of Holly? Oh, of course. I always have a moment for that. Thank you. Yes. So this is in Holly, which is in Detroit, Michigan. And while the Beast of Bray Road is uh, more of like a what we would think of as a werewolf, the dog man is smaller and seems to be more of a spirit-based creature and just more supernatural is how they described it. And there have been over 500 dog man encounters in this area alone. That's yeah. a lot. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot. Um, okay, so I have an account from someone named Jeff who was a repo man. So it was his job to go and repossess cars that were delinquent on their payments or some such not very fun job. Somebody's so, got to do it. Yeah, Jeff is brave. As you can imagine, Jeff is a tough dude. Jeff I'm is sure. not making up stuff about paranormal. Jeff doesn't believe in the paranormal, but here he is telling his story. Here's what happened to him. So he would do this late at night because that's how you are the most successful, I think, is being a repo man. Um, And so this was actually in 2005. And he is in the woods. He's looking. He's got a specific address and car that he's looking for. And so he comes up on the address and he does, he finds the car that he's looking to repossess. So he pulls up to the house and he notices that it does, it looks abandoned and that there are bars on all the windows, which is a little weird. He gets out of his truck and he said he always had a habit of leaving his car, his truck door open, you know, just in case someone wants to pull a rifle on him or some such craziness because smart, prepared. Yeah, it's part, it's, I guess, part of the line of work. He was walking along the side of the house. I think just checking things out, seeing if there was anyone in the house. Is it abandoned? Can he just get this car and go? And he almost walks right into this creature. He says he comes face to face with this horrifying looking thing. He said it had ears on the top of its head and that it was walking on two legs and that it growled at him and started coming at him. And so Jeff takes off is able to jump into his truck because his door is still open and he Smart. just freaking guns it down the road. Is it chasing after like, him still? No, it didn't. It didn't. But Good. he thinks that if he hadn't seen it, like, like at first he talked about, he thinks he scared it too because it wasn't expecting him. And he just kind of, he was like, they just kind of like came to face-to-face all of a sudden. But he thinks that if he hadn't noticed it and, like, walked into it, that he it would have attacked him. So, mm. I don't know. Mm. Very strange. So that was just a quick little side scoot into the, uh, the dog man. So that's different. So now we have werewolves and lichens and, and, and the dog man. So there's a whole bunch of things. All right. Now that you're all nice and warmed up. I'm warmed up. I'm going to tell you about the Wendigo. Tell me about the Wendigo. What is it? I, I don't like it. Ooh, I don't like it. Ooh, I don't even. Why are you looking mm. behind you? I don't know because, of, oh, okay. Well, you're not really supposed to talk about this either, but I'm going to talk about it anyway. And this is why I got my extra crystals. So I'm going to be fine. You know. 
Yeah, you have extra. You on the other protected. hand. Yeah, I'm screwed. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Um, but it is pretty freaky. So the Wendigo. In the folklore of Plains and the First Nations people, the Wendigo was once a legendary hunter who turned to cannibalism. Oh. And after that, it became an insatiable monster. As the tale goes, the Wendigo, during a brutally cold winter, just a, a normal man, he became so hungry that he was driven to cannibalism. And after feasting on another human's flesh, he transformed into this crazed man beast and was then cursed to roam the forest in search of more people to eat. If hmm. that's just not a nice creepy story for you. So you tell me there's only it. one thing such as a Wendigo or are there multiple Wendigos? Uh, I think there's more. Unfortunately, the story okay. of the Wendigo comes from the, I'm going to give this a go here, Algonquin, Algonquin Native American folklore, and the exact details will change depending on who you ask. Some of the Native people say that it's a, like a relative of Bigfoot, but other compare it more to a werewolf. So this is where you see okay. a little bit of the overlap. The unique thing about this creature is that it's said to be a cold weather creature and that most sightings um, have actually been reported in Canada and wow. then also in colder states, colder northern states like Minnesota. And at the turn of the 20th century, the Algonquin tribes blamed like they had a whole slew of unsolved murders and uh, not, I'm sorry, not murders, but disappearances okay. that they do believe is a Wendigo attack. Ew. Or just okay, horrifying. Ha having been done by the Wendigo. <sighs> Would you like to know what a Wendigo is? Please. Okay. Huh. It's an insatiable predator, right? You know, it's kind of described as being pretty gluttonous and cannibalistic and all those creepy things however its appearance is really emaciated it doesn't look big and muscular or anything like that but it's said to be like almost 15 feet tall and 15. it's basically that's really tall whoa it's really big ew and then um, it's also supposed to be, you know, like I said, emaciated, like skin and bones, like really creepy. Mm. And this is kind of attributed to it being like never satisfied. It's never, it's never happy unless it's currently feasting on someone. So it's always starving. It always is dealing with its cannibalistic urges and blah. all it cares about. Bad life. It's a, not a fun thing to be. You don't want to be this. It's not happy. It only cares and about what? It is only obsessed with hunting for new victims. That's it. That's it. Just wants to eat people. That's what it wants to do. Um, I'm not very surprised. Well, I have uh, just a, a brief description that one native um, author and ethnographer had written. 
he writes, and this is a, I'm not sure if it's Basil or Basil. I like Basil H. Johnston. And he describes the Wendigo. He says, the Wendigo was gaunt to the point of emaciation. Its desiccated skin pulled tightly over its bones. With its bones pushing out over its skin, its complexion, the ash gray of death, and its eyes pushed back deep into the sockets. The Wendigo looked like a gaunt skeleton recently disinterred from the grave. What lips it had were tattered and bloody, unclean and suffering from separations of the flesh. The Wendigo gave off a strange and eerie odor of decay and decomposition, of death and corruption. Ugh. Other accounts say that it's between... Isn't that fucking gross and creepy and just like, oh, what a nightmare. Just a, a perfectly crafted nightmare. So other accounts do describe it as being between 8 and 15 feet tall. So, you know, maybe it's merely 8 feet tall. You'll get lucky. Still You'll get a short one. Too tall. Too tall. Uh, its face is skeletal, and it's always depicted as having antlers growing out of its head with white fur. Um... It's supposed to have really large claws, and it's supposed to have, like, massive owl eyes, kind of, but they're still really sunk back into its skull. And, yeah, it's just really creepy. So there's so they're described a little bit differently. And if you look up pictures, they're all super creepy. So. How did you know what I was about to do? Is that what you're doing? I was about, I was just grabbing my phone to look up a Wendigo. I'm surprised you had, I'm surprised it took you this long. I know, I've been invested. Ah! Oh. Ah! <laughs> I like how you get scared when I get scared. Yeah. Yeah, it's not great. It's not great. It's not what you want. No. No. No, I don't love it. And Okay, so as there are different descriptions about kind of what it looks like exactly, there's also different descriptions about its speed and agility. Some descriptions claim that it is really fast, like unusually fast, and can walk for insanely long periods of time, even in like the winter, harsh winter conditions, if you can imagine in Canada and northern Michigan, and those would be pretty intense. Other super intense winters there. Other descriptions say that it walks in a more haggard manner, like it's falling apart Ew. Like a zombie, I guess. Yeah. But even so, it doesn't matter because it doesn't need speed in order to get its prey. Unlike other terrifying carnivores. Yeah, the Wendigo need. What is it? What does it use? Well, I'll tell you, Josie. And I'm sorry to inform you of its fucked up methods. But it doesn't need speed or agility because it will just, it like, it doesn't need to pursue prey. It doesn't need to stalk it because what it does is it will lure people into the woods. And the Wendigo is one of those creatures that can mimic voices. Oh, so it can mimic no. the voice of anyone you know. Mm-hmm. Uh. 
Oh, that's a scary thing to possess. That's not a good thing. So it definitely reminded me of um, your episode on the mimic. But I, I think that I think that was a different thing than this. That's a different thing. Yeah. So it can mimic human voices and it'll use this to lure people into the woods because you it you know, it can make it sound like your loved one is being attacked or or is calling for you or any, anything creepy like that. And then once that person that's luring is isolated in the wilderness, it will attack and then feast on that person. So that's how it gets you. That's wow. how it gets you. That's horrifying. And the Algonquin people really do attribute, uh, really do attribute like dozens of missing people to the Wendigo. There's a few rough translations. One of them is the spirit of lonely places. And that's probably because it lures you into somewhere where you are completely alone and it can get you. Yeah. Uh, another rough translation is supposed to be uh, the evil spirit that devours mankind. Mm. And this is related to title. That's a heavy title. It's not a good title, but it's supposed to have another power, which is the reason for this translation. Uh, and that's the power to curse the human by possessing them. And so it'll infiltrate someone's mind. And then once infiltrated, it can turn them into a Wendigo by instilling like horrible, uh, just horrors and terrors and making them crave human flesh the same way that it does. And there's actually a really well-known story surrounding the Wendigo and it's called I don't know have you heard the story of Swift Runner I don't think so okay like I was telling you about some of its powers where in one rendition it lures people into the woods and then devours them and then in other renditions where it has this like telepathic ability to take over people's minds and it, it only ever seems to take over the minds of men but that could have just been a coincidence about the stories that i happened to come across man do i want to make a comment right now no offense <laughs> to any men out there but i'm not surprised ouch Josie, hey. take it back i said Josie, it take I said it back it. it's too late ah no too late. no no i don't know i don't know i don't know those, uh, those were the only stories i came across and then whenever it talked about the wendigo it only ever referred to it as he and I, I'm pretty hmm. sure that its victims can be uh, its victims can for sure be male or female, but um, it, it only seems to try to possess men, from what I can tell. Please forgive hmm. me if I'm wrong. Um, these were the only stories I could find, and that just that seemed to be the case. So I could be making a big leap here. It makes but, me feel better. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah, sure. So it's other reported power being able to possess the minds of certain people when it does that it's actually carrying out its own cannibalistic bloodlust through the person it possesses so even though it's and it's not it's also supposed to be more of a spirit rather than a physical creature whereas the why werewolf not? you know is more of a physical creature why okay. why not why not it's scarier that's why yeah so with this swift runner case 
I should mention, but I don't want to mention it because then it like makes it feel like it has more weight. But you're you're, I might have mentioned briefly before, you're not supposed to talk about it, and we're talking about oh. it. So I just oh yeah, I feel like oh, I we're should not mention supposed it, to be talking about that. No. But here oh, we well, are. now you gosh done. Now, well, well now, I already now, gotcha. you, now you, now you, yeah, now you got me. I gosh okay. done did it. Is what I've well, done. you did it. But then here we are. It's like Voldemort. Not supposed to talk about it. Here we have two Harry Potter references in one episode, Josie, where I don't think we've ever had one before. May, quite that, the day. may that bless this episode. <laughs> may <laughs> Harry Potter bless this episode. Thank you, J.K. Rowling. But you know, you're just you're not supposed to speak of it. But here we are. So you know what? It makes be me fine. a little we're bit together. more scared. We're, we're a group. Okay. Yeah, that's why I didn't mention it before. And that's why I keep looking behind me like, mm. but I feel better now. I felt really creeped out before. Like it was like, don't you dare talk about me. I'm like, oh, I'm giving myself chills. I need to stop. Anyway, I don't like this threatening business of don't talk about me or else I'm going to come for you. Just like Voldemort. I don't right. appreciate these threatening tactics. I don't like it. Uh, there was a crack. There was a creak in my house. I don't like it. <laughs> oh You're God, okay. It's, so it's okay. No. Get through it quick. <laughs> no. No. Not scared. This is the case of Swift Runner. This was in 1879, and this was in Edmonton, Alberta. Okay, so a trapper with himself, his wife, his mother, and his six kids, they left to go trap for animal furs in the woods for the winter. And this was something they did, I think, every winter. It's how they made their livelihood. And when Swift returned in the spring, he returned by himself. And he got to a nearby village and he told this really horrible story of how he had watched his entire family starve to death and he was the only survivor. So really sad. Yeah. But something was kind of weird. Your whole family starved to death. Did they? Uh, he didn't look like he was starving at all. He oh. was actually looking really well. Over 200 pounds, looking really healthy. What? Whoa, dude. Yeah. Strange. After a couple of nights of letting him stay in their village, um, suspicions were uh, more aroused when they heard him having night terrors, screaming about the Wendigo. And when that happened, local police were alerted. Swift Runner ended up taking them back to the winter cabin that he had stayed in with his family over the winter. When they got there, they found human skulls scattered around the space. Oh, no. Bones were strewn everywhere. Some were snapped in half with the bone marrow sucked out. Mm. And it was really clear that Swift Runner had used various methods to murder his family, um, including using a gun, using an axe, using strangulation, and then eating the remains of their dead bodies. Oh, my God. Awful. Uh -huh. Swift Runner swore that the Wendigo had taken possession of him. Even when he was on the gallows, he declared, oh. I am no longer a man, right before being hanged. So mm. that's really creepy. Oh, interesting. 
Okay, so this is one of those mind mm-hmm. control things. Okay. Okay. Yeah, this was supposed to be huh. one of those demonstrations. Apparently, in the years following that, there were a lot of supposedly similar cases. And I didn't do any deep research into that, but that's disturbing. If there were any similar cases of any kind at all. Hmm. Um, And then a more recent example of what people believe to have been a Wendigo attack was actually in 2008. Not that long ago. And this really happened. We don't know if it had to do with a Wendigo or not. But this incident did happen. This was July 30th in 2008, right outside of Fargo, North Dakota. A Greyhound bus was en route to Winnipeg, and there were about 36 passengers on board. Uh, There was a young man on his way home, and he was like in the middle of the bus. He had his headphones in, and he was just falling asleep. It's a pretty long bus ride, so he had fallen asleep. Sometime later, um, another passenger got on the bus. They had like a duffel bag and they were wearing black sunglasses, even though it was nighttime. This man seated himself at the back of the bus and the bus kept going and it drove for about another hour. So this guy's name, who's sitting in the back of the bus, his name was Vincent Lee. People have no idea what happened, but after about an hour of being on the bus... Lee turns to the sleeping man, so I guess they were both in the back of the bus. He turns to the sleeping man and starts attacking him. And this guy starts trying to fight him off, and he's getting, like, stabbed to death. So he lets out a blood-curdling scream, which alerts the rest of the passengers that something horrible is happening. So they look over, Uh and they see this man being brutally murdered in front of them. The bus driver immediately pulls over and all the passengers flood out of the bus. Shortly after that happens, like a legitimate horror movie, this guy, Lee, severs the head of the man that he just murdered from his body. And then he calmly begins to walk up and down the aisle of the bus, brandishing the victim's head in his hands. Oh, no. And eyewitnesses, eyewitnesses say that he could actually be seen taking pieces off the head and eating them. Oh. Why? Yeah. Oh, my God. That's, yeah. And that's, he, that's the mind. Well, Ugh. and part of why people believe that it could, it could be attributed to the Wendigo, it was so strange this guy wasn't angry. He wasn't provoked. He was totally calm. Before and after the flurry of violence, totally calm. So a lot of people do believe that Lee had been possessed by the Wendigo after witnessing what had happened and how it went down. He was wow. apprehended by the police and convicted of murder. Yeah. Right and so. We don't. We don't know. I, I, he, I, I, he didn't I, say anything? Didn't anything else. Okay. I didn't get any information mm. looking into why did you do this? You know, I think that would be really interesting. Maybe I could do a deeper dive, but 
for now. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one of the more recent Wendigo attacks, apparently, potentially. Wow. Very easy to say this guy's just a psychopath. Very easy to, yeah. So perhaps just that. But for some reason, a lot of people attribute this case to um, a Wendigo. Now that I've told you some really creepy stories, I will tell you about protection oh, from good. said Thank creature. you. Yeah. Um, you know, sage and salt, those are pretty low-tier wards, but they don't hurt. You know, not a bad thing to do. Might as well, might as well light some sage, sprinkle some salt. If you are in immediate danger, you should create a large smoky fire because these things don't like fire. We don't like it. You should wear silver. Uh, You can wear a silver ring. You can wear a silver necklace or an armband or whatever. It could be a tiara. We don't care as long as it's silver. Something silver. I don't think I have anything silver. I should get me some silver. Maybe just a skosh of silver. Yeah. Um, You should have some, some silver cutlery on hand and just as a weapon, just in case. Can do. If you have silver bullets, great. And there's a lot of other steps. There's a lot of other steps to like if you need to actually kill this creature. Uh, there's a ton of steps. Like I think there there are steps about how to make sure you get it in the heart or the head with silver. You decapitate it. You burn it. You bury it, and it's some kind of enchanted forest. I don't know because guess what? It can resurrect itself and come back for you. Wow! But how can fair. it not come back? It's a spirit thing. So why even try? I don't know. It, it, I th- I, apparently your best bet is to set it on fire. Okay. Good luck with that. Note yeah. taken. In a direct confrontation, if you have a high, or I'm sorry, a, a large caliber rifle, apparently, that might injure it enough for you to escape. I don't know what you could really do. Because I've seen... I've also seen some eyewitness accounts where people were describing a creature that was like stalking their house and Mm. they thought it was a skinwalker. But then after they described it, I'm like, oh, I think it's a Wendigo. Sorry. So you know what? It's no, it's no good. The very last thing I will leave you with, if you're here with us this far into the things that are taboo, a note about skinwalkers and just kind of how these... All of the creatures we talked about are um, transformational creatures. They can all transform. The skin, or I'm sorry, the Wendigo can transform apparently into anything it wants to. So that's why it's kind of looped in, wrapped wrapped up in all this. Okay. Skinwalkers have, uh, they themselves are legends that have origins in Navajo, uh, Navajo fol- folklore. And based on interviews with Navajo people, Skinwalkers are described as secret witches. They're mostly male, uh, but some female. And they will creep out into the night to take the form of any kind of swift moving animal, like a like a wolf or coyote, like we mentioned. And their goal, everything kind of has a different goal, you know, between the, between the werewolves and the wendigo and now the skinwalkers. The skinwalkers' mm-hmm. goal is to basically get together in dark scary places just very foreboding lonely places so that they can work dark magic against their it's at their victims and engage in various taboo rituals of incest corpse defilement and sibling murder so that's Uh horrifying and this is the 
last tidbit that I found really shocking about this creature that I had never heard of. There was an interview with a Navajo elder, and they described like the horrific method in which someone would become a skinwalker. <sighs> and so that is by killing the person that they love the most. Mm. And while they're still alive and dying, they have to eat their flesh and drink their blood while the heart was still beating. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's harsh. So I'm like, oh, well, that's sufficiently fucked up. Um, okay. Yeah. Truly horrifying. I'm like that definitely counts as being a horrific, horrifying creature. Yeah. I don't know. This was just based on um, just a little bit of the research that I got to do, and I didn't dive into it too much. Like I said, I don't have any accounts that I'm going to share of someone seeing it, but that was so horrifying and significant and like, whoa, I did not know that, so that's why I'm sharing it. Wow. Um, and I hope that's okay. I'm not trying to be disrespectful. I, I'm just – I'm really – really curious about these creatures if they exist and what their origins are and why they are scary and why why can't why we can't talk about them yeah because you and, hear it so much I, when I because I remember I brought up a trigger about it in a previous episode and I wasn't entirely sure but nor do I want to bring up anything that is disrespectful but I I'm also not quite sure why and I know that's ignorant but I'm I'm curious and it sounds awful and something that we don't need to talk about a whole lot so I think you you gave just enough detail it's very curious I just needed to know a little bit more you know yeah I just wanted to know just a little bit more and looking into these different types of creatures I ended up learning a lot and getting super freaked out I think I'm going to be able to wrap it up with something that's really that really described it well for me mm. and I think this had to do with the Wendigo in particular but could possibly be attributed to these other like any any kind of evil creature I wonder you know these are legends that are told and there's always a, a purpose and a moral to the stories and so the moral lessons contained in Wendigo stories are also used to support basically social critique. And the late Native American scholar, his name is Dr. Jack D. Forbes, he had a book called Columbus and Other Cannibals. The, and I can't say this, the, the Wetico, the Wetico disease of exploitation imperialism and terrorism mm. and this was published in 1978 and in that book he uses the cannibalistic wendigo as a metaphor for the behaviors and attitudes central to patterns of social domination visited upon his own people in the americas and subjected peoples everywhere so he wrote wetico please forgive me if i'm saying that wrong is a a Cree term, which uh, which refers to a cannibal, or more specifically, to an evil person or spirit who terrorizes other creatures by means of terrible evil acts, including cannibalism. 
I have come to the conclusion that imperialism and exploitation are forms of cannibalism, and in fact, are precisely those forms of cannibalism which are most diabolical or evil. It should be understood that Wetikos do not eat other humans only in a symbolic sense. The deaths of tens of millions of Jews, slaves, etc., at the hands of Nazis, the deaths of tens of millions of people in, from slavery, the deaths of up to 30 million or more Indians in the 1500s, the terribly short lifespans of Mexican Indian farm workers in the U.S. and of Native Americans generally today, the high death rates in the early industrial centers among factory workers, and so on. All of these clearly attest to the fact that the wealthy, um, that the wealthy and exploitative literally consume the lives of those that they exploit. Mm. That I would affirm is truly, literally cannibalism, and it is cannibalism mm. accompanied by no spiritually meaningful ceremony or ritual. Hmm. So, so what I symbolism. Mhm. So what I what I took from that was that pointing out the evil in society where people exploit anyone that they can for everything that they have and that they're doing it only for personal gain, there's no ritual involved, there's no reason for it other than to cannibalize fellow human beings. So the evils of culture and society and certain groups of people who engage in those acts. Wow. I don't know. I thought it was interesting. That is interesting. Thank you for sharing. I had a really weird realization hit me about three minutes ago. Today is Indigenous Peoples Day. Oh, yeah, it is. Happy Indigenous Peoples Day. Yeah. So I hope... I sincerely, my sincere hope is to be respectful and I wasn't meaning to be disrespectful and I hope that it is okay that I told these stories on this day in particular. Please know that that is Your intentions are very pure, my my love, and thank you for- I hope so. I've I've been curious and I'm sure other people have been curious and all we can do is the best, the best that we can do and we're talking about things that don't necessarily make sense in our heads. No, no. These were really kind of frightening stories. My biggest takeaway is that if these terrible creatures do exist, that they're embodiments of things that humans do to each other all on their own. Mm. Interesting. So, I don't know. Yeah. Um, well, let us know what truly, you think. Yeah. Dear listener, please let us know to give us your thoughts. Yeah. If you have heard of an encounter with any of these creatures if you yourself have had an encounter if you have information that i don't if there is any kind of change or or update or or any or correction or anything like that please do let us know you can email us at something spookish at gmail.com help us learn more and we would just we love any kind of conversation around these things because they're very strange we don't know if they exist or not. These are just the stories that I was able to find and the legends that we still tell today. There you have it. And 
it is October. So I succeeded in scaring myself. Very good. I feel like I got some good information (laughs) on the werewolves and the Wendigos. If you'd like to check out our Instagram, visit us at Something Spookish. We would love to hear about your own stories. And if you enjoy the podcast and want to support our show, please visit our Patreon. We're going to keep sharing stories of the paranormal and learn as much as we can. Yay. Stay. Stay spooky. Spooky. (laughs) Spooky.